Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. The following podcast is an exclusive presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips and advice on writing fast, writing often and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is your Prolific Writer Podcast host, Ryan J. Pelton. The podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, often, and well, or well, often, and fast, however you see it, wherever you are listening to the show, however my voice is coming into your ear holes on the treadmill, in the car, doing the dishes, doing the laundry, writing the books, doing the deal, living the life. So glad that you are here with us. I am still reeling from last week's show. Actually, a couple weeks ago, episode 65, Joe R. Lansdale, one of my writing heroes. If you haven't checked out Joe R. Lansdale and that interview, episode 65, check it out. A lot of great writing advice from a pro who's been doing it for 30, 35 years, Uh, writer of the Happen Leonard series, a a show that's on TV as well, and just written a ton of books, over 40 or 50 novels and short stories and screenplays and you name it. So go check that out. But I'm excited for episode 66. That's why we're here today. 66. Casey Cease is on the show today. And Casey is a friend of mine. And uh, we uh, have been friends for a couple years now. And I wanted to have Casey on the show because he is the owner of Lucid Books, which is a partnering publishing house. And uh, he's going to talk about that, what he does and what his work is. And and I wanted to get a publisher on the, the show, someone who has... Uh, written a book, uh, a couple books, and someone who has published, uh, I think, 50, 60, maybe 100 books, and uh, is a CEO of Lucid Books. And Casey has an interesting insight into the publishing world and what he's seeing and what he's learning. He's going to give some great advice on 
writers who are looking to get into publishing, who are looking to get their books into the world, where to start, what to think about. And lucidbooks.net, I'll put it in the show notes, has some great resources to help you do that. And so Casey was kind enough to come on the show and I'm actually uh, looking forward to, I have another uh, publisher uh, that's coming on the show as well in, in hopefully a couple of weeks. And so looking forward to kind of helping us writers uh, that want to write fast, often and well, and think about just all the ins and outs of, of writing the book and publishing the book and having a good uh, looking book and marketing that book and all those things. So Casey's going to be helpful in that and hopefully some other publishers uh, down the road, because I think it's important for us to think about not only the creative hat that we wear, but also the business and publishing design hats that we have to wear as as well and things to think about uh so look forward to sharing this episode with you and before we do that um we are sponsored today by project entertainment network uh, our family of shows as always but our sponsors for all the project entertainment shows and if you haven't checked out projectentertainment.com go check them out there's tons of shows there tons of awesome people and we're bringing people on all the time so happy to be part of that family but subculture corsets and clothing I know you've heard about them. It's true. They're awesome. And every time you hear us talk about them, I want you to stop saying, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to go to the website, subculturecorsets.com right now and pause the show, you know, get out of the bathtub, get off the treadmill, you know, pull over to the side of the road, whatever you need to do, check out subculturecorsets.com. They have awesome clothing and shoes and accessories. And if you like kind of steampunk, gothic, retro corsets, just awesome, very cool stuff. Check them out, subculturecorsets.com. And if you go today and you buy something online, put in the name, The Prolific Writer at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. And if you are in the Jacksonville, Florida area, they actually have a store off I-95. So go check them out, subculturecorsets.com. They are not hard to find. They are great people, great peeps. Carlissa and Joanna and Sarah and Ashley and Sharon and Simone and Cassie and Lisa, they're all great people that work there. So go check them out, subculturecorsets.com. Get 10% off your first purchase, the prolific writer at checkout. I promise you'll get a 10% discount. So thank you, Subculture Corsets and Clothing for sponsoring this show and all the family of shows on the Project Entertainment Network. And without further ado, here is my friend, my friend, my buddy, Casey Cease. Welcome, everyone, to the Prolific Writer Podcast. Your host, Ryan Pelton. So glad today to have Casey Cease on the show. And Casey's a uh, owner and CEO of Lucid Books. And we're going to continue our theme on, on publishing. And I wanted to get kind of an insider look into those who aren't just writing books, but also are uh, helping people write books and publish books. And Casey has some, some unique uh, stuff to share with us as far as the publishing realm goes. So say hello, uh, Casey. Hey, Ryan, it's good to be with you guys today, and I'm really glad to uh, just share with your listeners kind of the uh, inside, uh, don't look behind the curtain, Wizard of Oz of book publishing. So really excited yes. to be here today. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, and I'm really excited because uh, I think a lot of writers, when they get into writing, they don't think about the actual, like, what happens after I write the book. And uh, and I wanted to just, as we before we get into kind of the publishing-specific stuff, is... 
you know, you, you have shared your story a little bit about your own writing journey and kind of writing your own story about your, your life and getting that published and, and just how that was such a difficult thing. And, and so why, why don't we start there a little bit? Um, tell us a little about kind of yourself and your family and then talk a little about how that book kind of came out and what you learned from that and getting how you got in, in the publishing racket. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, when I was 17 years old, I was in a traumatic car crash. Uh, that was my fault. I had been drinking and left a party upset. And a friend of mine ran um, in a, a, a street close by. I was coming back. He ran out to try to stop me, threw his arms in the air. I tried to swerve and miss him, but I hit him. And he died on impact. And so I was 17 years old. By that point in my life, I was kind of living on my own and doing my own thing, you know. Um, and, you know, the idea of faith or anything like that was just kind of an afterthought. I thought it was kind of for, it was a little silly. And so following that tragedy, though, made me slow down and start considering what was true and started reading the Bible and, you know, kind of hanging out with Jesus, if you will. And I realized that he didn't come to help perfect people, but actually he was God and he was God's son and that he died and rose again for jacked up people like me. And so at the age of 17, I was forgiven by Jesus and acceptable to God and made a Christian. And so I started, uh, you know, I graduated high school a few days later and went to court, played a no contest, a fourth degree state jail felony of negligent homicide, was given five years probation and community service. And during my community service, I asked the judge if I could speak to kids. And he said, well, you can speak 20 of your 200 hours. Uh, you know, and I wanted to talk to teenagers about the dangers of drinking and driving and the importance of making wise choices. And so uh, I started speaking. And so over the years, I, you know, was invited throughout the United States to share my story and started a nonprofit organization a few years later and began traveling and, and talking about Jesus and my faith with uh, publishing and or not with publishing, with speaking. And, and a few years after that, a, a, a mentor of mine said, hey, I want I want you to, to help me start a publishing company because he was going to start one. But then uh, he had self-published with the Christian self-publishing company and wasn't pleased with the outcome. And so he wanted to do it differently. But then he got promoted at work. So he gave me a little bit of money and an idea. And so we launched Lucid Books. Um, and uh, we first started, I was just like another self-publisher. And I was, I'm too picky for that. So I was like, no, I don't want to just you know publish garbage. So um, I wanted to, to, to do something new. Because, you know, everyone knows when you do something that's been done for centuries, clearly you can do something completely new, which is was hilarious, right? But um, I knew that traditional publishing, you know, was becoming more cumbersome, more difficult, less accessible. And I knew that self-publishing was becoming more saturated and turnkey. And so it was, it was hard to get uh, the word out amidst the noise. And so Lucid Books over the next few years had some larger name uh, authors come uh, through. And so we were able to start niching down a bit what we were doing. And so we came up with the idea, what if, and it was just a what if question, what if we could offer some of the best qualities of traditional publishing and the best qualities of self-publishing and mash it up, but still have a say and really be partners with our authors. And so we, we coined a term partnership publishing, uh, other people call it hybrid publishing. Um, but it's, uh, it, you know, we try to make it the best of both worlds. In the last three years, we've also developed our own writing company, uh, our, you know, our writing and editing services in our company and our marketing and promotion services. And we were recently uh, announced that we we're going to be launching Lucid Marketing, which is a marketing firm um, that is for Lucid Books authors, but not only. We, we help companies and we help speakers and we help other authors who self-publish uh, come up with a marketing strategy that actually get their book read and uh, help grow their platform. Well, that's great. So, uh, so you, um, from, you know, just backing up a little bit. So you, you, you kind of got thrown into this. I mean, you didn't have a background in publishing. Hey dude, I'm you dyslexic, <laughs> man. I mean, <laughs> right. so the, the irony is thick. Don't get yeah. lost. You know, that's not lost on me. Right. Um, 
so yeah, I, I wasn't like, man, I've loved books growing up. It's like I, the only book I remember reading as a kid was called Jelly Belly, mm. and it's about a kid that went to fat camp and didn't lose weight because he kept cheating <laughs> through stolen candy bars and stuff. And then his older brother Jamie helped him start running so he could go to Disney World. I mean, that, that's I remember it. That's literally the only book besides Berenstain Bears right. I remember until I was about seventeen. Right. Um, so yeah, man, the fact that I'm I'm in publishing and what I tell people is Lucid Media, Lucid Publishing, um, is really a marketing and publishing company. That's like our real focus. Like McDonald's isn't really about burgers; they're about real estate. We're really about you know marketing, and we've got a long ways to go, but we've improved a ton in helping authors uh, and speakers market themselves and and do so tastefully. And so that's really our our, our wheelhouse because inherently you can go on Amazon CreateSpace. You can even drag and drop some sort of cover and put your Word document in there and publish a book. So the publishing of the book or or the printing of a book isn't that terribly difficult. The actual process of publishing is a commitment to marketing as well. Yeah, and, that, and that's the little the d- little dirty secret that I think a lot of writers, especially ones that listen to our show too, uh, that are just getting started or, or just figuring all this stuff out is, you know, even traditionally published authors are having to commit to marketing, and and that's yep. what people don't understand. I mean, if unless you're Stephen King or James Patterson or, you know, that have right, even you know, those names are marketing. Every time yeah. you say it, just it's brand recognition, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. then then it markets itself, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because even those guys market. <laughs> right, right. And, Their and, names and, do it. And, and I think people forget that is, is that a lot of that is, is the onus is on the, the author. And, and some just say, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm not good at that. But, but that's, you know, the, the responsibility, I think, of everybody. So, um, so, so talk a little about, so you, you know, years ago, you're, you're, you're writing down your, essentially your, your testimony, your story, your, your biography, autobiography. And, uh, what was that like just that when you, you know, you're dys- dyslexic, you're, you know, like, okay, I've never done this. I mean, what was that like just as you began writing that, that first book? I thought it was going to be way easier to be honest with you because I had spoken about it for so long, you know, and you know, I'm a preacher and I speak at camps and events and a lot of the topics I covered I'd spoken on, but taking that from spoken word and directly making it written word was a lot more work because, you know, what I realized in college, I got away with when I relearned how to read and write well, um, I got away with, you know, doing a first draft with some, you know, punctuation checks and getting a B or an A on a paper, right? But when you're publishing a book, uh, it requires a lot more work than that. And apparently there's stuff like copy editing and line editing and proofing <laughs> and all these things that you should do to get your book ready that I had no clue about, even as a publisher. Like I, I didn't mess with a lot of that. I had a business partner at the time that handled a lot of the back end stuff. And so I was out, you know, connecting with authors and helping market their books and selling, you know, book deals and stuff like that. And so I was unaware until I actually sit down and write it because you know, if you don't have a, a roadmap, if you will, it's really difficult to get all your thoughts out in a in a in a clear way. And that's why at Lucid we started a service about a year ago called the Book Roadmapping Service, where we we partner writers, especially first time writers, but even with seasoned writers, it helps with a uh, with an editor, professional editor that helps them create a uh, outline and then a plan. And then we have, if they choose, we have a chapter check in where they're able to, to meet with the editor and make sure they're staying on track. Which, and here's the deal, that investment up front reduces the amount you're going to have to invest later Mm -hmm. uh, with a structural editor because, or developmental editor, because if you're not getting the, the, the structure correct up front, then there's a lot of major surgery that has to happen that's very expensive. And so, you know, we, we started, and the reason we started doing that is because we, we would deal with a lot of first time authors who, 
uh, or even seasoned authors who self-published but never had anyone tell them, like, this doesn't make any sense, right? Because your mom loves your book no matter what it says. And, um, you know, and so we realized, okay, if we can start – helping them earlier in the process, Mm -hmm. it'll be a less expensive process and a more fruitful process in the end. And so, um, and, and all that really, I mean, most of what lucid is, is from the pain points I experienced, the whole reason we started a writing department in house, uh, with editors and different, you know, stages of editing was because of the frustrations I experienced in publishing my first book. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you first, so what I hear you saying, when you first started lucid, um, you really didn't have in-house editing uh, as far as looking over it. It was kind of like, here's, here's my manuscript. We're going to help you get it out in the world, but we're not really going to tell you to change stuff. And no, and and it was hard because, um, you know, we occasionally had some select editors we'd work with that we'd refer to, and we would strongly encourage people to edit. Um, but early on, you know, I didn't realize actually until I went through it, how essential it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things. Um, like you said, I mean, your, your grandma has a great opinion, and she loves you, right? And, you know, uh, but, but to have you know other eyes on it, especially readers and editors that actually you know think about structure, think about story, think about you know common threads that run through a book that pull it all together. I mean, these are things that we just think. I, I heard you saying, you know, when you're writing your first book, well, I, I've you know I, I've spoken to thousands of people. Um, I know what to say. And then you go and sit down and you go, this is just a different muscle that I'm, I'm stretching here and to kind of make it interesting. I mean, you don't just blabber everything on the page and go, okay, the end. Um, and that's what editors I think are so, so valuable for, to really make a book sing, you know, and be succinct and be powerful. Um, I mean, it's uh, like as a business owner, our CPA is essential. Mm-hmm. Now they're not doing anything outwardly facing that is like, man, that's so amazing. But it's super awesome if you need to go to the bank or talk to an investor and your numbers look really great, right? Then people, right? Because in the same way that accounting is really the language of business, um, the actual editing and grammar and writing of your book is a language really of, mm-hmm. of writing and publishing, right? If it's done the best way possible to convey and communicate your message. And so people, you know, in the same way that people, you know, undervalue paying a really quality bookkeeper or CPA to keep their business in order. Um, authors who don't take the time and money to invest in really great editing and, and writing, um, they, they're going to pay for it down the line. Unless, you know, unless it's not, you're not primary focus, right? Mm-hmm. If you're doing it for a hobby or something fun, okay, fine. But if you're really wanting to make an impact and do your very best to convey the message that you're, you, you feel compelled to write, then that's something important to take into consideration. So, so I have a big, this is a kind of a big question. And again, you might not be able to answer it, but I'll, cause I know you're, you're the CEO, you're kind of leading the, the deal. Um, and you know, you, I don't think you're getting manuscripts across your desk necessarily, but, um, kind of when you, when you think about your team and manuscripts that come in through your company, what are some of the, would you say are kind of the biggie call them mistakes, call them, um, things people haven't considered when they, they hand you a manuscript and say, Hey, here's my book. Um, you know, it's the best thing since, you know, Hemingway. Um, I want to get it out in the world. I mean, what, 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 what's some of the rumblings you hear and where an editor or someone will hand it back and say, okay, th- this is what you need to work on. I mean, is there a common thread or theme that, that comes yes, through? There's twofold. The first one is I want this to be a New York times bestseller. Um, when they send it across, and so what we've learned to ask is, okay, what do you mean? Right? Well, what they're saying is they want to sell, you know, what is it? It was 11,000 SKUs within one week in order to, on the Nielsen scan, in order to qualify for the list or whatever. And there's other variables. Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean? Well, 
basically, it, let, let's listen to the undercurrent. Um, you want the benefits without the responsibility. You're looking for a publishing company to make you a New York Times bestseller. You know, that, that attitude for us is less is, – is, and here's the deal. We invest in people more than just manuscripts, right? And so when people come in with kind of this, oh, I want to be a New York Times bestseller and blah, 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 Lucid Books is probably not going to be the fit for them. It's not that we, we haven't worked with people that have done it extremely well. It's that that's not our primary goal. And so that's one error, kind of the arrogant side of like I'm the best thing that's ever come or under your, under your desk. It's going to be amazing, mm-hmm. right? For us and our ethos, right, we want to help – provide um, life-changing books uh, that people love to read and share. That, that's really our thing. We help authors do that, create life-changing books that people love reading and sharing that are impactful and insightful. And so we, we've, we've had authors say, well, look, this isn't enough because I, I want to make it a New York Times bestseller, blah, 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 but they're not willing to put the work in mm. to get it to that quality. Right. They want to do it as cheap as possible, mm-hmm. as quickly as possible, without with as little work as possible. And they want these huge results. So un, unrealistic expectations um, can be conveyed even in a proposal. So I want people to know that, like mm-hmm. we have an application process because as a partnership publisher, we want to be very careful who we partner with. We currently have, I think, 50 books in production right now. And that, that's pretty um, that's pretty, pretty full um, mm-hmm. scale of production for us right now. And so we want to make sure those 50 people are high quality um, and and have a really compelling message. I think another error that authors typically make um, is they're presuming too much of a publisher in the sense that, like you said, not wanting to market their own book. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the deal. I, I've worked very diligently for 11 or almost 12 years now to have a solid reputation for Lucid Books. The problem is, is there's a general reputation, but if people don't know who the author is, they're not going to care that we come out with it. You know, one right. one Christian publisher I think through that's my favorite, and I'll say it publicly, Crossway uh, Publishers. I, I love everything about what Crossway does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll at least stop if I if Crossway sends me an email and says, hey, we published this thing, because they're so focused on their niche that it's worth at least me stopping because I'm a fanboy, right? But mm-hmm. that brand recognition has been cultivated over the last 12, 15 years um, in me, right? And so think about that. Even if the publisher has been cultivated in a highly niche, you know, uh, you know, genre, it's taken them 15 years to get my attention where I still don't buy everything they publish, mm-hmm. but I'll at least consider it. Now, if the crossway comes with a huge list of people that, um, or with a name that I recognize and I've benefited from their blogs or their podcasts, then I would do that. Same thing with penguin group, right? Penguin or crown press, which is an imprint, uh, you know, business imprint, you know, I'll, I'll slow down to pay attention because they have reputation but if I don't know who the person is, I pers- personally, as a consumer, am not going to do that. And so, you know, people always say, well, I don't understand why the publisher wants me to have a platform. We partner with people who don't yet have a platform, but they need to be willing to invest the time and money necessary to establish one. And that, that's a, a thing for us. And so the part of our application is, are you willing to invest financially? No. Well, they're not a fit for Lucid Books. Doesn't mean we won't talk to them, but that's that's not really where we're we're partnering with. Mm-hmm. Number two is, you know, do you have a blog? And so, my favorite applications to get are, and if if you're a listener to this podcast, and you want to submit a joke to me, you can go on there and apply and say you don't want to invest your money and say you want to be a New York Times bestseller and you don't have a website or a blog or email list and you're unwilling to market your book. That's just a joke and ha ha ha, hilarious. I might even send you a free book or something. But uh, on the flip side. 
you know, the authors that come in and say, hey, I'm really passionate about this message. I think it'll really impact these people. I've been working hard to blog or to podcast or to email. I've been speaking at these events or I'm, you know, been volunteering here or I'm hoping to do. Here's my vision to really build this up. Then if it's a vision that's compelling that we want to be a part of, that's a really good fit for us. You know, unfortunately, traditional publishers, yeah, they have to consider that. But their number one bottom line is um, is book sales. Mm-hmm. You have to show that you're going to sell 3,000 units like in the first three months. Otherwise, they're not really that interested in working with you. And some of these smaller publishers, they can do like, well, we hope you sell 2,000 the first year, which is attainable. Um, but after three months, if you're not showing sales, they can't afford to continue to promote it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are things that on traditional publishing you have to be mindful of so that if you don't have that in place, then it's going to be more complicated for you going along. So I, I probably gave a very broad answer mm-hmm. to a very specific question. So feel free to ask clarifying questions. Well, it sounds like, I mean, it's, it's, it's the mindset of, well, <clears throat> this is a magic pill or formula. You know, if we just have the right, right publisher behind the name, it doesn't matter if the book's good, you know, and then it'll just magically, you know, sell. And I think you said something very interesting because I think even, you know, you use Crossway. I mean, there's other big name, you know, pick your, you know, pick New your York, favorite New York, New York, uh, big publishers. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people aren't even aware of what the publishers are. They, they are what you said. They're aware of the name. They're aware of, you know, Stephen King again, could you name his publisher? I mean, if you're no. a total JK fan, fanboy, I mean, I mean right, Harry, Harry yeah. Potter, right. Right. I know it's scholastic cause it, it shocked me when I finally figured that out because I'm a publisher uh-huh. and I'm interested, but I asked most people like, Oh, oh my publisher. I'm like, well, Hey, what's your favorite fiction book? Harry Potter. Who published it? I don't know. J.K. Yeah. Rowling wrote it. Exactly. <laughs> right. right. Thank you. Exactly. The, so, the, yeah, the name, the recognition. I mean, who published your book, Ryan? Uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so that's that, why I bought it. Yeah. So that that's, you know, I think that's, again, the misnomer of and then going into what you just said uh, as far as marketing platform, willing to invest, you know, dollars, time, energy, you know, blogging, Facebook, you know, website, whatever. And, and we know, um, and we'll get into a little bit, uh, a little more marketing specific stuff. Um, I mean, we also know social media does not sell books um, very well. No. Um, it makes it people builds relationship, builds it's relationship, social. but yeah, people that just blast their books across social media, it's, people aren't going, Oh, okay, great. Let me get 10 copies. Um, but it, you know, builds relationship, builds awareness. Um, but we, we can get into some more of those specifics. Um, so, Let's talk a little bit. Let's dig a little further into Lucid because I like uh, your your approach because it's unique. You know, you're not traditional. You're not self-pub. You're kind of in the middle. You know, partnership publishing. I like that that idea. Um, you know, what what when somebody comes to you and and you said there's there's an application process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you also uh, produce books in a, a wide genre. I mean, mm-hmm. as far as I mean, it doesn't seem like you do everything, but I mean, is it more the we like the message. We like the, what you're saying in this book versus is genre irrelevant or do you have any kind of, you know, ways of breaking that down as far as, you know, fiction, nonfiction, business, children's, whatever faith. Yeah. So, so with the evolution of of a publishing company or a business in general, right, you start with a general focus, the companies that start with a really tight niche, you know, either do very well or die very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, we knew we wanted to publish. We knew we wanted to help people do that. And over the years, our, our sweet spot has really been, um, you know, Christian nonfiction, business, and children's books have been the top three. We've done fiction. We've done, you know, other, you know, you know, what is it called? Uh, creative nonfiction, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But, but primarily, our real uh, wheelhouse has been Christian nonfiction um, or memoirs. You know, in that in that genre, most have been Christian, some have not, um, and then business books, and then 
um, children's books. And our children's books have actually done really well. And what we found there is what we tend to invest in, because what people don't understand is like, oh, you make authors pay up front. Listen, author, even if you get a traditional publishing deal, increasingly so, they require you to use part of your deal to use their literary coach or to use their designer or whatever out of the advance you get. So either way, you're spending money, right? Your time's worth money. Even if you do all the work yourself, what is your desired billable hour? You're still spending money. Let's get over, I don't want to spend money. You're going to one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And so the question is not will I spend money. The question is how's what's the best way to do it? What will bring the biggest, as we call in business, ROI, return on an investment, right? And so for us, what we look for is more the person and their message and the end result they're going for than just, you know, is it a good book, right? There are plenty of good books that no one has ever read, mm-hmm. okay? And so for us, you know, like I said, we are increasingly doubling down on helping market books and train our authors in how to market tastefully themselves. I created an online book marketing course. Uh, you can go to bookmarketingclass.com. It's currently on sale for $297 um, and 100% money back guarantee. And it, it's a five-part class that goes through the, basically everything you need um, to get started on that. You know, I've had people tell me they'd spend 1500 bucks on it, and I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to be greedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I basically lay out everything I've learned over the last 10 years um, in that. And so that's one way we, we create resources, and we come alongside. We have a marketing department. You know, our marketing coordinator has 18 years' experience and is a, has a master's degree in public relations to come alongside that. And so, you know, for us, it's really the person we're working with, the message they have, the audience they want to reach, and their drive to get it done. You know, that they truly want to partner because there's some great people out there that really don't want to partner at all. They want to do it all themselves Mm -hmm. and they need to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, and what I tell people is if you have the time, resources and connections to get it done, you should Mm self-publish. But most people don't have the time nor the connections to do that. And so, you know, at the very basic, we're an excellent general contractor for you Mm -hmm. um, at the very base. But beyond that, you get a team of people that are professionals that have given their lives to doing these things that can come alongside and take a really good book and make it great. That's great. Yeah, no, I think those are really wise words because I, I think people need to hear that are listening is, you know, there is investment, there is money, there is time. That's not time's not, money, man. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter what route you take. It's like, yeah, even if you DIY is just like I'd rather invest the, the, the time I have in this rather than in earning capital somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so, so let me, let me, let me go this route. So what I hear a lot of writers is, you know, I'm an artist. Um, I, I'm creative. I write the books. I don't want to do anything that has to do with business or marketing, or that's just not me. I just want someone to do it for me. Um, what would you tell someone that's listening? Um, maybe someone that, that really is, you know, I'm, I'm shy, I'm introverted, I'm, I'm creative, but I know I need to get my books out there. I mean, how have you kind of coached, uh, yeah. coached along people that really kind of go, but I, but I have this message and it's important and I want to share it. Um, and yet I just kind of stink at the marketing stuff. Where, there's where, those where should who they begin? Won't. Yeah. So there's those who won't and those who can't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everyone can do something to help get their book out there. Mm-hmm. The ones who refuse to because it's difficult or makes them uncomfortable, I usually don't do business with. I don't work with because at that point, they just have an unrealistic expectation. If my wife married me, knowing me, how I'm wired and everything else, and said, I expect you to become a rocket scientist, then we should probably not get married because that will never, ever, ever occur. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I, I would tell people like, all right, look, if you're unwilling to get it out there, then it's like. The whole, you know, the whole question of if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it fall, did it really make a noise, right? It, I mean, it's it's that kind of question with your book. So, 
what, what I, first of all, I from them, they're like, hey, I appreciate your self-awareness. If I could give you some training and help and guidance to to find tasteful ways that you're comfortable with to communicate your message and to get it out there, are you willing to try to learn? If their answer is no, then I don't know if publishing a book is really going to be helpful, right? And I don't know of any publisher that would say, you know what, the content is so amazing uh-huh. that, I mean, it would be better to take that content and sell it to someone who already has a platform and get a passive residual income and let it become their idea, like a, a ghostwriter, than to enter into that that quest of futility of never selling a book. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone thinks like as long as I get on Amazon, it's going to sell. That's just false. Sure. Well, and I think there's a. It's funny. Like I, I'll use one one book that I know of that was kind of unique. Uh, you know, The Martian uh, that came yeah. out a few years ago, and a lot of people don't know, but you know, they're man, this book just so great, and it you know. Just, self-published and then it became you know traditionally published and went crazy and movie and all that um but people don't realize that he was writing a blog um or had a blog and he was putting out the book for free on his blog for years before he actually you know published the book and so you know and again i i think uh i think it's andy weir is that his name um you know he already had this raving fan base. And so when the book actually came out, it wasn't starting from scratch. And I think that's, you know, a great example of how people are, if you're doing something, um, I had another friend who was doing his book. He was doing audio. He did an actual free audio book before the book ever came out before he had anything published. And he created a fan base. It was a few hundred people, but that kind of launched his career. And I, and I think there's, there's these things that you can do. It's, it's not the slimy salesy kind of in your face kind of marketing. And I think some of the best marketers don't do that. I think they're actually the opposite. They're, they're just very personable. They're very, you know, they often, they talk about other things other than their books and people like them and they go, Oh, Hey, I like that person. And Oh, you have a book. Great. Um, and, and there's so many, I think there's so many ways to, to be creative when it comes to marketing. Um, what, but what would you say are some of the kind of baseline, um, must have marketing tools in your toolbox, if you will, that, that you just really can't negotiate, uh, against right now, email lists, mm-hmm. even though people are, no one uses email anymore. How do you log into iTunes? <laughs> right. How do you log into your bank? How do you, you know, go to Ticketmaster? Well, my face, because my iPhone, right, I get that. But <laughs> there's still email involved. Right. You know, people might not check it as much. But also, where else do you go? I'm on Facebook. Well, you know, Facebook allows you to create audiences based on emails, mm-hmm. right? And so your email list is a highly valuable thing. Mm-hmm. And the way you get emails is by developing a freemium of some sort and then producing high-quality content. Um, you know, one thing you said about, no, I don't want to be a slimy salesman. People don't like sales and they're wrong because we've all been selling since we were born. Mm -hmm. When a baby cries, they're selling because they want something. And until they get what they want, oftentimes they continue selling and become more pushy about it. Mm -hmm. Right? So we've all been effective salespeople. Mm -hmm. We just don't like it. Now, another thing we have to think about, people hate to be sold, but they love to purchase. Mm-hmm. People love shopping and buying, et cetera, and they love supporting things that are altruistic. And so what I teach in the marketing class is the push through versus pull mentality. You don't want to be a pushy salesperson, but you want to offer so much value and help that you draw people in, mm-hmm. the pull mentality, right? Mm-hmm. And so from from the um, you know email list, I would blog and I would podcast. Now, Ryan, if you're being smart, and I know you're a smart guy, you would take our podcast audio, you would transcribe it, and then you would turn it into some sort of blog post to leverage those who prefer visual as opposed to audio. And so, I mean, there's, there's you know, tons of technology out there right now that can help you do that. Uh, and so I think, you know, having a blog, I think a podcast is a great thing. Um, I think, 
you know, having a network of other people that you're helping out, like join other book launches, watch how people do it, build relationships with those people, invite people into your process, build a launch team, right? I'd rather you have 25 sold out, committed uh, people who want to help you get your book out than 500 people that might click like occasionally, Mm -hmm. right? And so I would think of quality over quantity, if you're not really an advocate to go out and speak yourself, there's an old proverb says that don't um, don't uh, advocate for yourself or don't boast of yourself. Let another person do it for you, right? And so, okay, you might be an introvert and everything else, but what extroverted people do you have in your life that are really gifted and really believe in what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Then in, invite them onto your launch team, right? Mm-hmm. I would say another way to really help build marketing is have a constant loop of feedback where you have people that you're helping market their things, they're helping you your, uh, market yours, and they give you constant feedback along the way. Um, you know, market in ways that are consistent with your personality. And so if you're more of a writer than a speaker, then write. Then go find other bloggers and say, can I guest blog on your blog and I'll let you guest blog on mine. So you share that and you build relationships. And I think one of the primary things you've got to think about, Ryan, is the concept of transaction versus relational. Uh, most of us um, were brought up with transactional mindset. You do something for me, I do something for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe we were made and redeemed to have more relational context, which means through a symbiotic relationship, there's a, a giving spirit between us. And so we're helping people out. And so for me, that's always been the way that I've been able to grow platform, my own platform and for other people is by helping them think organically and then strategically um, finding people that want what they have. The last final thing I've given, I'm just rambling on so you can like make the the, the cut it out. No, no, you know, keep going. Yeah, okay. um, is, uh, you know, I would tell people that, you know what, um, do something every day to add value to other people and to convey your message. Because ultimately, if you have a message that you believe other people need to hear, then you're no longer promoting yourself, you're promoting the message. Mm -hmm. You might be the mouthpiece and you've got to establish trust with people to build relationship, but ultimately you have a greater responsibility to manage that message well and, and get that message out. And then identify people who would benefit best from your message. And if they actually do benefit from your message, they'll want more of what you have. And so there creates this pool mechanism where people are wanting what you have and you build that relationship along the way. I do really well in person. And so I'll go to conferences. I think, you know, I've met, you know, through some other conferences we've seen each other at. We you know live in different states. But through that, there's been a personal connection and encouragement. And we've established and built trust over the years that way that you would, you know, honor me with the opportunity to share with your listeners on your podcast. So those are all things that I, I think are essential when it comes to marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, I, I'm, of, I'm a, a type of leader that I lean into my strengths and I outsource, delegate, defer, destroy my weaknesses, and I lean into it well. And so for me, it's content creation, relationship building, uh, coaching and guiding, and through that, uh, building a team of people who advocate for me. That's great. No, I, and I, like, I like what you're saying about just kind of knowing yourself, knowing how you're wired, because I, I don't think you have to do everything. Um, no. And, and this this actually might get into, and again, not not to, I mean, this this could be a long conversation, but just the social media thing. Because I, I, yeah. I, I heard, I just talked to a guy that, you know, they have a, a pretty successful publishing platform and writing, you know, hundreds of books and, and all this. And they, I mean, essentially don't use social media. I mean, right. it, it's very minimal. And they sell, you know, te- uh, five figures a month, easy, um, you know, their books. And and he was actually saying part of the problem is it's such a time suck. He says, especially yep. for starting authors, it's like they're not producing any content. They're actually not 
making stuff. It's because they're so they think, you know, Facebook is 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 work and it, and it and it can be in, in some ways. But but like you said earlier about building relationships. Um so you know, is it is it just pick a platform, maybe have one, have something just so people know you're alive? Does it even matter? I mean, where where are you seeing just with your authors? Yeah. Um, you know, for, as far as social media goes. I mean, is it is it I, I think social media should be uh automated mm-hmm. and then strategic and that's okay. it. Um and so social media is meant to be social. Mhm. Right. And so find, you know, solid times to be able to post meaningful and helpful content just to. But you have to understand social media primarily is is name recognition and brand awareness. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we do pretty well with social media advertising in relationship building, taking cold people who don't know us and starting to build a relationship. But as it pertains to getting them, you know, ultimately the point is to get them off social onto our website. Mm -hmm. And after they're onto our website, they start building a relationship. They give us their email address and we work really diligently to build relationship with them moving from there. And then we add value to their lives. And so you have to, people overvalue social time. Like I know one guy years ago got like $17,000 royalty advance from the small publisher because he had 17,000 Twitter followers. Mm -hmm. And I asked him one time, I said, did you use one of those services that get you followers? And Mm -hmm. he kind of smirked at me Mm -hmm. and I think he sold a thousand books or something. So they, right. that publishing company is still trying to make their money back. But, um, you know, so for us, when we look at a platform, one, we want to see, do you know anybody? So like, if right. you have like 50 people on Facebook, it's like, okay, you're not even trying unless you come to me and say, well, my strategy is really, I have 300,000 people on my email list. They're totally vested and they, mm-hmm. they're professionals and they're on LinkedIn or whatever. So I pick some venues that, you know, that where people are being social and get them off there as quick as possible onto onto content that you actually own like your website and then from there try to get them um beyond that to investing what you're doing watching a video and coming to when you speak or um you know subscribing to your email newsletter and replying to your emails like interacting building relationship because that's where it can be i know uh, a lot of people manage their book releases their launch teams on facebook groups which i think can be fine Mm -hmm. because it's a social effort at that point but but they also have access outside of that as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, quit wasting your time. It's like, I have people all the time that tell me I'm thinking about becoming a writer and I tell them good, write. Mm-hmm. Stop thinking you're right. right. Get off Facebook, turn it off. You know, I have 4,994, 95, very close friends on Facebook right now. Um, I might get a hundred likes if it include a picture mm-hmm. with my kids mm-hmm. uh, or my wife sent it or something. Right. right. Other than that, most of my posts don't get much interaction right. and I'm not banking on that for, you know, the success no. of my, my ministry or business. No. And, you know, it's like Twitter followers. I mean, it's so it, majority don't give a rip who you are. And it's, no. oh, you know, you said one thing and, oh, that's interesting. And then they you know, I get a heart from that person. Right. right, like, Exactly. But that's not going to go. If I can monetize every heart I get, yeah, let me tell you. Exactly. Right. Um, so the, the, our podcast is the prolific writer and one of our, you know, philosophies and just belief that's really deep embedded is you have to do the work and you have to create things. Um, a little bit what you're saying. I mean, I, when you look at marketing and you look at your publishing uh, company, uh, are you getting um, authors that are not just wanting to, cause I know there's the author that wants to just, you know, I just want to get my book out. Maybe I'm older. It's for my grandkids. It's, it's kind of a, you know, a legacy thing and, and that's fine. There's a place for that. But what about, you know, the person that's like, Hey, I want to, I want to make a go at this. I want this to be my, my work, my, you know, my legacy, uh, my job, whatever. I mean, is there a place that you say, you know, you have to create more than just one thing um, just because sometimes the best marketing is the next book. Um, are you seeing any of that? I mean, as far as people that are able to kind of, oh, absolutely. Le- we see that with our authors all the time, leverage yeah. uh, more content. I, 
Yeah, man, my favorite authors are what I call authorpreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, they they see it. They see it like the, the writing is a part of a grander vision and mission. And man, it's it's awesome to watch. So I mean, you know, like Donald Miller, right? People know that guy because he, you know, he's the story brand guy. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in the Christian faith, he wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz. And if you're not a believer or don't care about that, it's still an enjoyable read and fun read. Mm-hmm. But he got paid a large advance on that and did really well with it. Did exceptionally well with it. But the book before that sold nothing until after his second book came out, mm-hmm. right? You, you know, I, and I've never had a tattoo because I'm fickle and I don't know what I want, you know, like forever on my body. <laughs> but what I hear from my friends with tattoos is once you get one, you want another one. Mm-hmm. And and I know for me is once I released my first book and saw it impact people's lives. And what it did is it replicated my message, right? I didn't have to get there and speak in front of all these people. They could read my story and engage with it. But some people have read my book and then come out to events I'm speaking at. And so so what I love is, is being a part, you know, I think marketing, um, you know, a book and a speaker platform or a coaching business or a real estate business. You know, we worked with a realtor that, that wrote a book in his niche and he's, he's attributed over $20 million of, of sale, real estate sales to his book, mm-hmm. right? That ain't bad for a $15,000 investment. <laughs> I mean, ask any business person like, Hey, I invest 15 grand and I make two million or $20 million in revenue, even at a realtor that's making on average, you know, three to 6%. That ain't too shabby if you run some math, right? <laughs> right, right. You know, turn fifteen grand into six hundred thousand, you're not going to be upset, right? So you mentioned, uh, I think we were talking offline. Uh, you know, just the an author, or I should say, a speaker and or uh, author um, that has a book um, is really seeing a lot of book sales from actual in person. You know, uh, yes. t- talk a little about because you've done some of that speaking and and selling and all that. Because I've heard, I mean, people go to conferences and they'll sell you know ten thousand books just from speaking yep. and you know make all their money back and whatever. Um, why is that important? I mean, the actual physical. I mean, we always think marketing; it's all online, right? I mean, but but physical books selling in person, you know, it's just a, a whole, whole other thing. So tell a little bit about your experience in that. Yeah, absolutely. So I raised eighty eight hundred dollars on Kickstarter for my first publishing project, Tragedy to Truth. I ended up investing another almost $7,000 in the project overall. People ask me all the time, well, have you made that back in book sales? Maybe about four or five years in now I have, but that's irrelevant to me because I've given away so many of them. Um, and that just saturation, right? The, the book, The Alchemist, uh, when it came out, they gave away 10,000 copies, hmm. right? Because they say that saturation points about 10,000 units in. Um, I've made multiple times over my initial investment from speaking events, and I've sold a lot of books in person. I'm speaking at a youth camp and most people say teenagers don't read, but as I build a relationship with them over four or five days and want something to take with them and you know, it might be a couple hundred students there. I'll probably sell 80 to hundred books there as well. Mm-hmm. And, and so you, you think of it that way as it goes on scalability. Um, it, it's almost like a, a, just a larger business card for some of us who are communicators or coaches or business owners, realtors, you know, consultants, you know, it's, it, it adds value. And quite honestly, if you're willing to take the time to write it, then it might mean you actually have some authority to, to, to speak or sell or whatever. So that, that's one thing I would say that, you know, and that's why we're launching Lucid Speaks, which is a speakers bureau that will launch in Q3 this year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we've got four or five speakers already lined up that we're going to represent to start with and then build it out from there. But we've just seen this, you know, for the artists out there who just wants to get out there and create um, but they're willing to show up and, and offer some of their art to help other people, then we're creating systems to have a really good symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they have to understand their responsibility to build their brand, for lack of a better word. Um, but, you know, we're building all the infrastructure and business and you know, marketing and sales so that it helps them be uh, connected and, and get to show up and do their art in the first place. There's nothing worse for an artist or a creator 
to uh, create and no one even cares. Mm-hmm. And I guess part of the reason we do it is because we, we don't care if anyone cares. But like if you're a speaker and no one shows up, trust me, it's a drag. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I, and I think for the artists out there too, I mean, I, I know a lot of, um, you know, writers that, that use speaking just so they can write more books. I mean, they, they're, it's another re- revenue stream. And, you know, when you think about impact and you think about it's not just the written word, but it's also the, you know, spoken word and getting in front of people and building rapport. And, you know, there's something about that in-person relationship that really changes how, you know, people see the, see the, the artist or the creator or whatever. Um, you know, it's very interesting because I, I think, um, you know, there, there's, you, you almost change. It's like, I don't know what it is, but in your mind, you, you kind of change your perspective on someone when you hear them speak <laughs> as opposed yep. to just reading, you know what they say. Um, it, it's well, especially like, if they have a great voice like you, yeah. like <laughs> I can read your stuff. I'm like that guy, Ryan guy is pretty awesome. Right. But when I see your, your handsome face and your, yes. and your raspy, you know, yes. masculine tone. I'm like, yeah. I want to buy his book. My man. deep Barry, Barry White tones. Your Barry White tones. Um, yeah, I love like, it. Give me yeah. all his books. Um, no, there's that relational. I mean, because the the stage, if handled well, affords you the opportunity to um, establish a relationship in a much quicker manner than 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 written text own, mm-hmm. uh, alone. You know, I'm reading uh, The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. Um, you know, and it's like. It's written so well that I can feel it. I can smell it. I can taste it. Like, you know, my wife read it and just was very impactful for her. So I got it and I'm reading it. And the beauty of books is you can take written word and make it into a four dimensional experience. Something's happened. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why many of us who write just want to say we want to get to the heart and the mind and the soul and and, and really evoke change and and, and help. And and I think that's why I don't think the written word is going to go away anytime soon. Mm -hmm. You know, we cheapen ourselves and, you know. Um, you know, I, I watched the Harry Potter movies before I read the books and I, re- I regret that, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, the books just bring it so much more to life that if you're writing, um, you know, you want to connect with people where they are. And, and one of the greatest marketing lessons I've learned in the last few years is until you're willing to give people what they want, they will never trust you to give them what they need. Mm-hmm. So if you, if, if you, until you learn to give people what they want, they will never trust you to give them what they need. Mm-hmm. And so part of you, um, you know, in writing is, you want to write because you're highly opinionated and people need to hear what you have to say. We're gonna, no wonder you're not going to sell many books mm-hmm. unless you've built a platform over many years of being an opinionated person and people like your opinions. It's going to be very hard for you to get anybody's attention. If you determine what people want who are in your target audience and then establish rapport, you're then able to give them what they need and then move them along. And that's very important. I like that. So, uh, so writers listening, um, we have a lot of writers that listen to our show and some are again in different stages. Some just starting some, you know, been around or maybe they have a few books out or they're just kind of struggling somewhere in between. Um, you know, what are some, some tips you would give tricks you can give, uh, even before they're, they're beginning to write that next book. Um, because I've I've heard you say many times over, you know, Hey, here's my book. It's going to be a bestseller, you know, and you haven't thought about this or that. Um, but you know, let's say they, they contact you. They're like, Hey, I, I want to work with lucid, but, but even before that, what are some things they should even beginning getting in place, you know, as they're okay. kind of creating and, and marketing and doing all that together. So first thing then you go to lucidbookspublishing.com and you scroll down, you'll notice a, uh, a freebie called the writing, uh, the writing tips checklist. It's a free checklist mm-hmm. that I highly recommend you grab. It's completely free and it's a cool resource uh, with 20 five tips, I believe on helping you establish your book. So that's very important. Mm-hmm. We will, then we'll try to upsell you a $7, uh, book writing blueprint, which is highly uh, helpful. Um, and check that out. So that's me doing a little commercial now, just practically speaking, 
what I would do is establish who this message is for. And I know I've said it myself. It's for everyone. False. Okay. If you write a book for everyone, it'll reach no one. And so what you want to do is you want to determine what are the person, who's the person and get as specific as possible. And then imagine they're sitting across the table and then find people like that avatar, that person and ask them questions about their most pressing felt need as it pertains to the topic you're writing on from that. Even if it's fantasy, even if it's fiction, like find that person, you might be like, I'm writing a fictional novel focused on 19 year old college boys who like sci-fi or whatever. Mm -hmm. Great. Find 10 of them, ask them what their favorite books are, what made them their favorite books how did it make them feel etc study your target audience before you write a thing because if you want a book that sells you need to know who who's going to buy it right Mm -hmm. and so then from that point i would start instead of making an outline i'd create buckets so obviously if you're if you're doing a novel or fiction then you're going to have to be more linear in your creation but if it's a non-fictional piece then get the overarching idea and break it out into buckets that can be moved around uh um you know, and, and there's a there's a website called blankpage.io. I really like their platform because uh, it allows you. It's kind of like Scrivener, but not as complicated. And so you can write chunks or pieces and then drag and drop them around and eventually export it as a document. And so most of my most of my most of my first drafts are written um, on blankpage.io right now. And so that's those are just some tools I would think through. I would get, uh, you know, I would consider doing a book writing road mapping service with us because even if you don't publish with us, it'll help you greatly jumpstart that journey of getting it in the right order in the right direction. And then I would find great editors to work with. Mm-hmm. Great. So, so you, so Lucid offers is obviously you mentioned a few things you're growing and expanding, um, some services yep. that aren't just, you know, the full, like I'm going to get my book published through you, but you do some other things to kind of get people started and help, them, help them think through their books and stuff. So well, that's good to know. I'll put that all on the, on the show notes too. So, so, Great. uh, obviously you've given a couple commercials, but people want to find you, you know, where to start right out. I mean, lucidbooks.net jump right in. Yep. It's all right there. Pretty clear. Yeah. And kccs.com C E A S E like ceasefire. Uh, it's, I blog there occasionally and sometimes more than occasionally and just depends if I feel like it right now. Cause I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not building a, a quick platform, but I think if you put your email address in, you get a version of my book, like a full thing. So PDF. So, you know, you can check it out there and my book tragedy to truth is available in audiobook and print book and ebook. And so you can get that as well. Um, yeah, man, I, I'd love to connect with people. We love helping people. I actually, you know, say, you know, you don't know how many, you know, books I review along the way. Uh, we have a great team that does all that, but I am pretty involved in the day to day and helping come up with strategies for our book. And we've created our, our team to serve you, the author, and, and we're, we're blessed and ex- encouraged by, um, the continued growth that we're experiencing. Great. Well, I love what you guys are doing, and and this episode is going to help a lot of people thinking about writing and publishing. And so, as we leave, though, what what would be? Do you have like one writerly truth that you would you would want to drop on on someone that's that's thinking about you know publishing, writing with you, or otherwise, or just getting started, or just say this is the thing you need to to be about if you want to kind of make this thing a go. Write, write daily, write frequently, write for five minutes, write for five hours right don't 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 try to write as someone else in their habits and form and rhythms determine the writer within you and lean into that and so you might be a spurt writer that writes 10 minutes a day you might be an in-depth writer but develop the habit of writing and don't edit yourself as you go first draft is just for you okay so just get the ideas out 
My wife edits herself all the time. She's a beautiful writer, but it frustrates me to death because I think it, it prohibits. I think some of the greatest gold I've ever had is in the word vomit that I've never used, except for maybe a little statement or sentence or idea. Even if that idea will never be in print, it stimulates me to better ideas so I can continue writing. So write. That's what I'd say. Good. Good. Love it. Well, hey, thanks, Casey, for coming on the show. Uh, you're going to help a lot of people today, so um, we'll do it again. I look forward to it. Thanks so much, Ryan. Well, there you have it, prolific writer nation, Casey Cease. Thank you, Casey, for coming on the show, lucidbooks.net. I will put that in the show notes. Go check them out. If you are an aspiring writer, you're curious about the services that they offer, they are a great place to start. And, and Casey is a generous human being who would love to help you get started in your writing journey wherever you are, uh, or even have them take a look at your manuscript and see if maybe you're a good fit for their company and get your book published to get it out into the world and uh, impact the world with your book. And uh, I'd encourage you to do that. And they have some great resources, free resources. They do coaching. They do help you with marketing, all kinds of stuff. But it was great to hear Casey's perspective from a publisher, someone who deals with authors day in and day out, the, the, ch the challenges, the struggles, what to think about, where he sees, you know, we things we need to think about, where we need to think about when it comes to publishing and, and writing and all those things. So, so thank you, Casey Cease, for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom and your truth and your nuggets of writerly advice. It's much appreciated. So before we check out this week, a couple things. One is if you could leave a rating and or a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you listen to this podcast, the Prolific Writer Podcast. It really helps us get the word out into the world, gets the show out into the world, share with your friends, tell people about it. Um, I love getting to do this and helping writers wherever they are, wherever you are, wherever you're starting. Maybe you're starting thinking about writing. Maybe you've written millions of books and hopefully all the interviews that we do and the insights that we share is helpful for you. And it's all free and it's all because... I love to do this and like to share what I'm learning along the way as well. And so if you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to all the other episodes. Uh, we got 65 of them. So lots of good stuff. And uh, this is Ryan J. Pelton checking out, checking off. And I just have one thing I want to tell you before I leave today is go get those words on the page. No, seriously, go, go get them on the page. Like right now it's, it's time. You've, you've heard us talk. You've, you've heard the interview. Okay, it's time. Just stop making excuses. Put the butt in the chair. Go get the words on the page, and I'll talk to you real, real soon. Every person's story has something to teach us, how others view life, how obstacles are overcome, how joy is felt, how fears are faced, how love is expressed. The Matters of Faith podcast explores individual stories of people's lives and how faith plays a part. It may not be your story, but it may help shape yours. The Matters of Faith podcast with Jay Wilburn is on Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. 